Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. That work in the gym, nice bringing that intelligent perspective that takes you above the rim. From the PG, saw the whole court. Now he plays the sideline to observe a report, bringing nothing but fresh interviews while discussing high school, college, and NBA news. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. Welcome to the Off the Glass podcast. This is your host Z, fan of no team but a lover of basketball. Thanks for joining me on today's show. I got another great show in store for you, another episode. Um, before we get into some of the topics I'm going to discuss, a couple news and notes things real quick. On my last episode, uh, I did the NCAA, the sham of am- amateurism. Uh, the whole idea of whether we should play pay players and things of that nature. I also did a podcast late, early, I mean early last year, one of my early ones dealing with the the FBI probe into uh, college basketball, mainly the shoe company Adidas and the different payoffs, payouts that were going and payoffs to recruit players to the company and the sentencing for three of the main guys that was caught up in this federal indictment was handed down this week. Uh, Jim. James Jim Gatto received nine months in prison. He was the former uh, Adidas executive, so very high ranking if you weren't familiar with this. And uh, a former Adidas consultant, Murr Code, and a runner by the name of Christian Dawkins each received six months in prison. They are expected to appeal. So for that case, kind of brings some closure uh, to that whole situation. Hasn't changed anything in NCAA. Um, but it did kind of, for the first time, really kind of unveil, at least publicly, those of us who are privy to how this stuff works in AAU, the college basketball recruiting scene, high school basketball, etc., already knew that this kind of stuff was going on. So it came as no shock to none of us. But uh, to the to the public and the uh, nation at hand, I think this was a shock, kind of unveiled, pulled the veil back of some of the corruption large-scale corruption that's going on. So uh, hopefully we can get more into it as far as the NCAA and how we should fix this, but just wanted to put some closure on that. Last night, um, history was made. LeBron James officially passed Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list. Let's give him a round of applause real quick. Well-deserved, well-earned. And I must be uh, transparent because I'm going to be Super critical of the whole Lakers situation in a minute, but got to give respect, man. Incredible accomplishment, incredible feat. Shows how great he's been for a number of years. The level of consistency, the taking care of his body, which we've never seen on this type of level before, um, allowed him and enabled him to be able to pass Jordan. 
Does this necessarily make him the GOAT? I don't know. I don't want to. I do know, but I, what I should say is I don't want to have that debate this morning. I just want to give uh, LeBron King James his props for passing one of the greatest players of all time in Michael Jordan, and now he's officially number four on that list. I will say this, though. For me, when it comes down to the greats, the numbers do matter. I mean, you got to have numbers, so we're not going to act like uh, not having numbers don't matter. But, I mean, sometimes with certain things, it's just common sense. Certain guys on these lists are going to pass the all-time greats because they came in the league at a younger age. LeBron came straight out of high school. Jordan played three years of college. So just by sheer uh, the fact that he was younger, his numbers across the board are going to look better. But that's where perspective and context come into play. So you got to keep all this in perspective, got to put it in proper context. Doesn't diminish his LeBron's accomplishment, but we also got to put it in perspective as well. The Lakers were unable to win last night. They dropped another game. So, I mean, at this point, Lakers fans, I think we already know this. Um, it's been talked about the last week and a half when I did my last podcast. I had said they had to go 19 and 6. And they've already lost. I want to say they lost their, um, we could pull it up real quick. They lost their fifth in a row last night, losing to the second-seeded um, uh, Denver Nuggets at home. Uh, wasn't really competitive throughout the whole game. Kyle Kuzma missed a, missed a game. He didn't play. Um, trying to see who else set out. Who else didn't play? Because it 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 really the effort wasn't there. The same issues. The, the defense was terrible. Um, we're starting to sound like a broken record um, with some of this stuff. And um, that was their one, two, their fourth loss in a row. Um, they had Boston on Saturday, which ABC is already pub in the primetime matchup: LeBron versus Kyrie Irving. Uh, speaking of Kyrie Irving, the Celtics did win a tough game last night to Sac over Sacramento. Gordon Haywood, great sign. I mean, great sign because it was a back-to-back -back game. We know he's been struggling all season due to the, the injury he suffered last year. But to have two games back-to-back -back that were really, really good games, um, the Celtics are now still sitting fifth. They're actually... Two and a half games behind the Sixers. So um, that was a big win for them. Their second win in a row. And again, for Gordon Haywood on a back-to-back -back on a row, to be able to play well and finish by getting the game winner, that if you're a Celtics fan, that bodes well for him. So switching gears, a couple things I did want to talk about. I wanted to kind of use this podcast a little bit to talk about the rookies and you know, there's been a lot of things said about this rookie draft class. It's amazing, too, how in the era of social media and having to feel news cycles, how we come up with so many non-stories. And a lot of these non-stories for this class, we kind of wanted to give up on them, some of them right away. The fact that uh, they're young seemed to go completely out the window. Nobody had any perspective. Um, but this class has really started to perform well. Um, one guy in particular has been playing outstanding uh, as of late, and that is no other than Trey Young of Atlanta. Uh, he's averaging about 34 points, 10 assists, and he's shooting over 48% from the three since the All-Star break. He's making a late push for that Rookie of the Year. Um, I think it's in the, uh, ultimately going to go to Doncic. Um, 
He's been consistent since day one. Um, he has the momentum, the steam of the media right now. So barring some kind of crazy collapse, unless Trey Young is able to average 40 and 15, uh, Doncic is probably going to be a rookie of the year. Um, also wanted to give some love to Jaron Jackson Jr., who was playing well before his injury. He's been out for a while, and more than likely, he's going to miss the rest of the season. And another player of the rookie class that started to come on strong was Marvin Bagley before he suffered uh, a knee injury a couple games ago for the for the Kings. And um, he was contributing on a Kings team that currently sits uh, ninth. Um, don't know if they're going to catch the Clippers. The Clippers, shout-outs to them, been playing fantastic basketball. I thought Sacramento was going to really – make the playoffs, but it looks like barring some kind of collapse. I mean, to make up four games, that's a lot of ground to have to make up um, in this tough, stacked Western Conference. But, you know, back to, to, to the rookies and even DeAndre Aiden, who's been playing well, he's averaging a double-double. He's like a tw almost a 20-10 and 10 guy. Defensively, he seems to not be as lost anymore. He's starting to get it together. He's starting to, to, to talk on the rotations. He's not late. He's kind of in better position. And the overall point with all this, and again, I'm a plug. I just posted this morning, episode 53 is up. It was a really uh, nice interview. I was able to talk to Rashad Phillips over at, um, if you're not familiar with him, he played at Detroit Mercy back in the day. He was a Naismith Award winner, scored over 2,000 plus points, one of the most prolific um, scores in NCAA history. And he does fantastic work over at um at his website and i'm just pulling up right now because i, I want to make sure i get this right i was very grateful for his time but you can find him over at sports talk 2319.com that's how many points he scored 2319 points and we were able to really kind of get into uh the whole trey young because he was high on trey young he felt like he had him ranked number one last year on his draft board and we were just talking about some of the things that we saw. And I told him that me personally, I felt like his comp wasn't Stephen Curry. I thought that was a very lazy comparison. The fact that he shot from deep, the fact that they had the same complexion of skin, I thought was the only thing they had in common. My comp for him was more of a Steve Nash type. You have to tune into the podcast to get Rashad Phillips to take on what he thought his comp was. But I thought the vision... The playmaking was on another level. To be able to read the defenses was at a high level. Let's not forget, he led the nation in assists last year, not just scoring. And he did it with, some will argue, not the best talent, not a lot of, not an NBA roster. And that's the point. He was able to do those kind of reads and those kind of numbers on a, a college team. So to me, it was only going to make sense that it was going to transcend to the NBA level. Now, just to be transparent, I thought that he might have been a little bit slight of size. And when I mean slight of size, I'm not talking about height. I'm just talking about his physical stature. So I, I thought it was going to take um, some time for him to um, to grow and to mature. He was only 19 coming to the league. The good news for him, he was going into what seems to be, and they have been for the last few years, uh, props to Coach Bud, who's now in Milwaukee, um, building that team up. Danny Ferry, who got dismissed kind of controversially uh, with the Luau Dang thing. Um, but they had really built a very strong uh, front office down there in Atlanta and a very good player development program. And their head coach, Lloyd Pierce, 
is a former player development coach. That's how he got his start in the NBA. So I knew he was in good hands. Uh, most recently, uh, their GM was on one of ESPN's podcasts, and his name is Travis Schleck, and he came over from Golden State. And it's kind of been made fun of a little bit tongue-in-cheek how he wants to kind of mimic the Warriors, and everybody like, well, how can you mimic the Warriors? They have two of the greatest shooters all time. They have Kevin Durant. I think what they were missing on what he was wanting to say, sure, he kind of wants to mimic the style of play, and why wouldn't he? I mean, we're in the era of the guards. It's a guard-dominant game. If you're able to get a dynamic guard who can also score, but more importantly, what gets lost is playmake, then you got yourself something special there. So his idea was that, you know, it was a lot of controversy between them trading uh, Luka Doncic for Trey Young, and it was like, how can you do that? And he had a very interesting take on it. He felt that, because they got a, a number one pick, he felt like, I mean, a, a, a lottery pick, unprotected pick, along with Trey Young, that they could possibly turn that into two lottery picks, I mean, including Trey Young. So it was a very smart deal when you think about it from that perspective, because we already kind of figured that Dallas wasn't going to be that good. And that, that happened to, to be the case as we um, go back to the standings real quick and pull it up. But Dallas was not was not going to be that good. So it was a bit a good move on his part to kind of foresee that, knowing that it would turn into a good pick. And as it stands right now, the Mavericks are 27 and 37. They're 13th in the West right now. And the Grizzlies, Phoenix, of course. And then, I mean, you got the bottom of It's amazing. If they were in the Western Conference, they'd be right there <laughs> with the Wizards. But um, so he kind of for, for foreseen that they was going to get a lottery pick out of this. You pair Trey Young's passing with a player like John Collins has that has been great for them. Torian Prince has played well. Uh, they have another guy named, uh, I'm going to say it's Kevin Herter, that plays well for them, a stretch four. They even gotten great minutes out of Alex Lynn, somebody who Phoenix punted on. So uh, for, for their GM to have that kind of foresight was brilliant. And I think that's what got lost when he said he wanted to be like the Warriors. He wanted to mimic their organization as far as their structure, how they do a great job with the player development and building a culture that allows for um, just really good play as far as their unselfishness, their passing, and how he kind of wanted to mimic their roster as far as having a bunch of playmakers. And that, that gets lost with Golden State as well. It's not just the shooting, but the fact that you have at any given time, especially when they would go small, you could have Draymond out there, who's their de facto point guard uh, playmaker. Steph can make plays. Kevin Durant has played some point guard, made plays. That's one of the points of errors of his game that he's gotten better at. Um, you bring Eagle Dalla out there, who's just like a Swiss army knife, does everything really, really good, can play making. Of course, Sean Livingston, you have a Quinn Cook, so et cetera, et cetera. So he kind of wanted to have those kind of players as far as that in um, Atlanta as well. So that was the reason why. Um, they went with Trey Young, and, and and I was saying like with Trey Young was just the vision. Some of the passes he makes are just unbelievable reads. And as somebody like me that played the point guard position, I would say my best attribute was passing the ball. I led the. I was always either leading the, the conference or the league I played in in assists, especially when I got minutes or was second. When I played in Canada, didn't really get the minutes, but I was actually our best playmaker, our best assist player. I've always taken 
joy out of being able to read defenses, kind of trick defenses, pass players open. And I get joy out of watching players like Trey Young because he's able to make those kind of reads. And it's not always the fancy pass. Like He had the one play the other night about a week ago that was incredible when he had it in his right leg, driving right, and he went underneath behind the back through his legs to kind of freeze the defense. And then made a pinpoint pass to, I want to say it was John Collins on the roll, and he was able to dunk it. Might have been DeRoyne Deadman. I can't remember, but it was just an incredible play. But then he'll also make the play where he's able to come off the pick and roll, see that the the uh, the shooter on the opposite side is spaced out to the corner and able to make a pinpoint pass across NBA defenders to the opposite corner into the shooting pocket. And for you young players out there, that's important. The fact that he's able to make these passes on point so the shooter doesn't have any wasted motion and getting his shot up. It's just incredible stuff. And those are the kind of things that you look for, which you should be looking for when you scout players to see if it transcends to the next level, especially at the point guard position. Not only can they score handle the ball, but can they read and break down defenses and coverages and know when to make the right reads and the right pass. And Trey Young has been sensational at, at that. Luka Doncic has been well as that too, as he's been playing more of a, what they want to call point four because he's bigger. He's, he's about six, eight. And he's leading all uh, rookies in scoring about 21 points a game. I want to say about five and a half assists, about seven and a half rebounds. And it was no surprise to me. That's why I was so high on him. You don't play in the Euro League and dominate the Euro League at a 19 as a 19-year-old and come into the NBA. And you shouldn't struggle. We've never saw anything like that. He even came out and said how it's easier to score in the NBA. And again, people, like, <laughs> you totally missed what he was saying, in my opinion. I think what he was saying was not that the the Euro League is tougher than the NBA. Like, he's not stupid. The NBA is the best league in the world, has the best players, the best athletes. A lot of your Euro League teams have NBA-type players, but they're the ones who are not on NBA rosters. Not saying they're not good, but they're not on NBA rosters. So there's no way he's saying that the league is better. But what he was saying is how... The game by the rules are different, so it makes it easier on offense. In the EuroLeague, I like to call it a high-level, I mean extremely high-level college game because of the rules of FIBA. You can sit in the paint. The NBA, defensive three seconds, so you can't be in the paint as long. Defenses are spread out more. So if you're a player like Luka Doncic where the court is spread out more, and keep in mind, the NBA court, for those who don't know, is 94 feet. College is 94 feet. EuroLeague FIBA is 89 so it's a shorter court. So you don't have the same type of spacing that you have um, in, in, the, in, in Europe that you have in the NBA. So with the court being more spread for Luka, he, it is easy for him. What's going on, bro? What's up with you? Um, it is more spread, a little more easier. He has more space to operate. He has bigger driver lanes. So, you know, I think that's what he meant when he made his comment that the NBA was easier than the EuroLeague. So, um I love this draft class. Uh, it was deep for a reason. Uh, I think going forward, Trey Young is going to only get better. We're going to see where they are come draft time as far as what they draft, what they're able to add, um, who's going to want to come and sign there. Because if I was a player, Atlanta, very good NBA city, very underrated NBA season city in a lot of ways. Um, they might be able to attract a, a premier free agent because really that's all they need now is some veteran leadership. Switching gears real quick. 
want to talk some more about Paul George, who's having an NBA caliber season. And I wanted to talk about it from this perspective and ask a question. Does the fact that he's the leading, I'm not going to say leading like that because you still have guys like Gobert who's playing great defense, but the fact that he's one of the leading candidates for defensive player of the year, shouldn't that, a, a, how does that affect the MVP voting? Should that be taken into account, the fact that he's playing on both ends? Just something to think about. I think ultimately because of the way the MVP works and how it's voted, I think if Giannis and them finish with the best record, which I think they have right now, they still do. Yes, they're 48 and 16, 25 and 5 at home, 23 and 11 on the road. Just fantastic basketball. Giannis has been great from start to finish. So if um, they keep that up, Giannis will probably be your MVP. The fact that James Harden, who was last year's MVP, had that incredible run when Houston was dealing with injuries, trying to get themselves going. They was kind of stuck in mud, and he was carrying them with the streak. I want to say he scored. Uh, 30 plus points in 27 straight games was averaging 40 points over that time and almost 10 10 assists and he has them in the third seed now they've been playing well Chris Paul's back uh, the fact they signed Kenneth Faree Capella's back PJ Tucker etc cetera, etc cetera. Eric Gordon has really looked sharp they look really good but with the Paul George thing me personally I'm not even trying to be controversial I think it should matter None of those guys, even Giannis plays more defense than James Harden. And I want to kind of kill the narrative that James Harden doesn't play defense. He's a very good stout post defender when he gets switches, when they run pick and roll. So he, he does play a little bit more defense than he did early on, which was some of the embarrassing things when he came to, to Houston. But nowhere near the two-way player that Paul George has. Paul George takes the usually the best wing player or the best guard assignment every night. And the fact he's able to put up 30-plus points has just been simply impressive. And real quick, because I I, uh, I had it up, but I, I do want to kind of look at his, his stat line real quick. Um, I think it should matter. I think if in a perfect world, if we were really looking at what basketball is, basketball is not a, a one-way sport. It's not a game of just playing offense. It's not a game of just playing defense. And the fact that he's playing both sides of the ball, I think he should be the MVP. Now, I think it'll be close, but I think those kind of things should matter. I think he should be the, the defensive player of the year and really get some strong consideration for MVP because he's really been a value for his team. And I think I always say two is better than one. It's the same thing when I talk the three-point shot with my father-in-law when he always wants to say that these old school teams would destroy these teams today. Three is worth more than two. So I'm going to use the same principle here. The fact that he's a, as we like to call a two-way defender, to me only enhances his, um, his uh, what do you want to say, his ability to win the MVP award. And so far, he's at 28 points, 8.1 rebounds, 4.2 assists, almost 45% from the field, 40 from 385 from the round. He has an effective shooting percentage of close to 54%. So... Impressive numbers. Salute to Paul George. Glad to see that he's back from one of the most horrific injuries that we've ever witnessed in basketball. But I did kind of want to pose that point, that question. So when you hear the podcast, drop me a comment. Tell me what you think. Uh, should we really value guys who are able to play both ends of the court at a high level? Should that really count and give them some points for the MVP award? Wanted to kind of get into the Lakers. 
and just offer some of my perspective and thoughts. And this is where I'm going to be a little critical of LeBron James. We all know at this point why he came to L.A. And it's not just to shoot Space Jam. We're not going to be lazy with that. It definitely was a lifestyle change. It was a change for his family. They wanted to come out to California. And that's his right. Um, I get it. I'm not criticizing that. But those of us who know the game, who follow the game, we knew from a basketball perspective, in my opinion, just really didn't make any sense. The Lakers have been one of the poorest run organizations in our league now for a while. They get a pass because they are one of the glamour franchises, and rightfully so. They're one of the most accomplished franchises outside of the Celtics. The Hall of Famers that are on the wall there, going as far back as Elgin Baylor, who doesn't get mentioned, Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, uh, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. So very incredible pedigree. I'm just going to throw it out there. I thought the best team I would have liked to see him join, people were saying Philly, could have saw that. I thought Denver would have been perfect for him. Passing big man in Jokic, uh, nice young pieces, a very solid bench, um, nice veteran leadership in Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Isaiah Thomas with a lot to prove, but I heard him and LeBron. don't know how true that is, but I like Mike Malone as a coach. I thought Denver would have been a great spot for him to land, but he chose the Lakers. And let's just be honest, I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought they are going to make the would have made the playoffs, but the Lakers situation is like an example in life. You know, sometimes things can just be cruising along, you're doing well, but the whole time, you know, it's like a 50-50 pop position, you're going to make it. It's like, you know, you get in your car, the the the, uh, the fuel light might be on, you need some gas, and you're like, ah, I'm going to kind of roll the dice. I think I can make it to work. I'll just get some gas after work. So you start rolling out, and then you run into some rush hour traffic headed in. And next thing you know, you run out of gas, and you're on the side of the road. Meaning that everything had to break right. Everything had to be perfect. You couldn't afford to run into traffic and all that if you wanted to make it to work um, on that no, really no tank, no gas in your tank. And that's the same thing with the Lakers. The situation had to be perfect. And they came out. They struggled early as classic fashion as a poorly won franchise. And let's address that real quick. Jenny Buss at the Sloan Conference talking about her biggest issue is the media and the fake news. And again... We're in this era of people not wanting to take responsibility for every, anything. It's always somebody's fault. This is no different in professional sports. But they were the ones that put together this roster. The idea that LeBron wanted tough guys. They wanted guys that were athletic, that could run the floor. And they signed all these players that didn't make sense where a successful team around LeBron James was guys that could shoot the floor, spread the floor with their shooting play defense, and then you had a decent role guy, somebody like a Tristan Thompson, somebody like a Chris Bosh who can roll, uh, pick and pop big like Bosh and Love, things of that nature. So the fact that they went out so quickly and signed JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, and Beasley made no sense. The amount of money that they uh, signed them to made no sense. And then now, before the trade deadline, which is part of the issue, you try to trade the whole team for Anthony Davis. That doesn't work out. That was a disaster. And then you end up trading Zubac, your young center, who was actually playing better than Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee. Even though JaVale McGee's had a solid season, 
he wasn't playing better than Zubash, so you trade away your young prospect, and now you're left with this team. You gave up a pick to get Mike Muscala and Reggie Bullock, and it's been a dumpster fire ever since. But also besides the roster, what people are overlooking, LeBron was in year 16 of his career. Year 16. And we know the man spends millions of dollars a year maintaining his health. His body has been reported upwards of $4 million a year to stay healthy. But the kind of injury he had, I stated on the last podcast, I've had that growing injury. The only thing that heals it is therapy and good rest. And I know for a fact he's not 100%. Um, you factor in the fact that LeBron hasn't played defense in three years. And I know he came out and said, I could lock my man down. Nobody's talking about on-the-ball defense. Again, that's using misdirection. You know what we're talking about, LeBron. It's your lack of rotations. The other night, somebody put it on social media. And this is when I like when people do do this because then somebody like me can come in and add some perspective to it. The fact that it showed Kyle Kuzma actually pushing LeBron out to get out to a shooter when they were playing against the Clippers is an example how he's just not rotating. And in the Western Conference... You know, it was going to be tougher. The teams are much better in the West. So for him to come out with that mentality that he's had when he's kind of been able to cruise, when he doesn't have a clear-cut number two like a Kyrie Irving, or the fact that he's not playing in the Eastern Conference, where I've already showed you if Dallas was in the East, they would be almost at the ninth seed instead of down there at the bottom in the West. It just wasn't going to work. And then the fact when he tore his groin, that killed all the momentum, you factor in the Anthony Davis saga, it just it was going to be a disaster. So if he doesn't get hurt, I think the Lakers continue to play well and they make the playoffs. They might squeak in at the seventh, eighth seed. They might not have stayed as high as four because I think at one point they were the fourth seed, but they would have did well. They would have did really well. So the fact that he got hurt, the fact that he's in year 16, the vets that they signed have not been consistent. Um... Lonzo Ball is out, so I'm not going to – we already went through that. I was watching that. I'm not going to say he's the whole reason why the defense fell off a cliff, but they are missing Lonzo Ball. They are missing his defense, his on-ball defense, the plays he makes, the heady plays that he makes. They're definitely missing that. Um, and the fact that – I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. And you put all this together, all this into this – if it's like a giant gumbo – this is what we get with the dysfunction in the Lakers. And now people are suggesting, like, Reggie Miller was like, LeBron should sit out the rest of the season. Is it worth it? And I know we're in this era of resting players and showing perspective. I mean, as far as taking care of ourselves. But I'm going to bring it back to perspective. At the end of the day, he gets, played to play, he gets paid to play basketball. Fans pay top dollar to come see LeBron James play. Now, if they want to kind of cut back his minutes and scale it back, then that makes sense. But to just say we're going to shut down LeBron for the rest of the season, I think that's unfair and selfish to the fans. Remember, my motto is fan of no team but a lover of basketball. But if you get paid to provide a certain service, then I don't think it's fair to charge the customer the same amount and you're not giving them the same product. So if LeBron's healthy, he should be out there competing. And also, I'm also believer that you don't get to – you know, jump ship when things get tough. He should have to stay in there hanging, show the young players what he's about. But again, that's another thing. His leadership to me, I'm not there every day. I'm just going off what I watch during the games. He seems very standoffish, seems detached at times, 
The whole thing just looks crazy. The fact that, you know, that's another thing to me with LeBron's legacy. From day one, he didn't seem to really support Luke Walton. And then sometimes, like, I don't care if you're the greatest at something. It's like, like, who do you think you are, bro? Like, you just got there and you already don't like Luke Walton or you're not approving of this. And that's one thing we got to talk about. Coaches that seem to, when he comes to situations, coaches don't survive for whatever reason. At some point, it can't always be Mike Brown. It can't be David Blatt. It can't be Eric Spolstra. It can't be now Luke Walton. It can't be these different coaches fault all the time. At some point, we got to look at the player and say, hey, there's something wrong with you, bro. So it's already looking like more than likely Luke Walton is done. And I'm not saying it's like I think Luke Walton is the greatest coach ever. I just think it's always crazy to me in the NBA how coaches get blamed for a lot of this stuff when a lot of it, at the end of the day, does fall back on the players, just being honest. So now they're talking about possibly Tyron Lue coming in next season. So we're just going to have to wait and see how all that plays out. So pretty much that's my spiel. That's my take on the Lakers. It's a bunch of things going on out there. Just to recap, not a great run organization, if we're being honest, over the last few years. LeBron is no longer playing in the East. He's playing a tough Western Conference. They didn't sign the right people. Brooke Lopez, I forgot about him, walked. Julius Randle didn't resign. Now, I think with the Randle thing, it's kind of tricky. I think he wanted more money from the Lakers. So I don't think it's fair to look at New Orleans and say, well, he signed for this in New Orleans. I think he signed a product of that deal in New Orleans to set himself up for a bigger payday coming into this coming offseason since the Lakers wasn't giving him the money he was looking for. I really believe the Lakers would have committed to him long term. He would still be a Laker. But they wanted to save space in case somebody like Paul George, who didn't end up coming, Kawhi Leonard didn't end up coming uh, to L.A. They didn't get Anthony Davis. And ultimately, again, if LeBron does not land another player to help take some of this load off, and it's looking like it might be Kyrie Irving, we'll see how that plays out this summer, then he's not going to have a successful legacy here in Los Angeles. Moving on. I just mentioned them, Kyrie Irving, the Celtics. Now, I know they just won two in a row. They had a very impressive win. I mentioned earlier Gordon Haywood had 30 points against the Warriors. Kyrie didn't play last night. He set it out. And again, the Lakers, I mean, excuse me, the Celtics played better without Irving on the court. And this is kind of starting to become a theme. And just some of my things on Kyrie. Everybody keeps saying he's not a leader. He's not a leader. I agree. I don't think I need to beat a dare horse with that. But Kyrie is one of those guys where the talent is leader level talent, uh, first option talent, the best player that could win you a championship talent. I mean, look at the incredible shot he made over Steph Curry to give Cleveland their championship that year. The talent is on that level, but he's more of a two. He's a two. I know you hate to say that, Kyrie, but you're a two. You look so uncomfortable as a leader in Boston. The cameras, the spotlight, and it's just not meant for everybody. Doesn't make him a bad person, but we have to face facts. The team plays better when you're not on the court. Everything statistically across the board goes up. When you was in Cleveland, when LeBron would sit out, you would have still have Kevin Love, and y'all would lose. In some way, games, y'all would lose in blowout fashion. And, you know, I think we have to start to realize that that some people are not meant to be the man like that. And I know we're in this era of everybody wants to protect their brand. You know, they want to maximize their brand, their earning potential. They're, we're in player empowerment mode. 
But some of us are not number ones. Some of us are number twos. Everybody can't be the king. Some of us are meant to be soldiers. Some of us are not can't be the president. Some of us are meant to be vice president. You know, everybody always say things like, um, you know, we come from kings and queens and or we come from this or this kind of lineage. And I always would say, well, somebody had to sweep the temple floor. Everybody can't be a king and queen. And I think even though he's not at that level, that low, but I think there's other guards. Me personally, I'd rather have on my team than Kyrie Irving. Damian Lillard destroyed him a, a week ago. I'd rather have Damian Lillard, Kimball Walker, James Harden, Steph Curry, uh, even Russell Westbrook. And then after that, I'll you can possibly throw out some of these other young guys potentially. I'll give them the edge now because Kyrie has done it on the big stage. He did hit the big shot uh, to win the finals. And it's not me being out on Kyrie. I just think Kyrie is a, a better as a strong two or like a one B. But I don't think he can be your best player and win you a championship. I just don't think he's cut out for that. I really don't. And the issues with the Celtics has been a culmination of a lot of things this season. It was the fact that Haywood went out so early, first game, Kyrie gets hurt. So you had a rookie in Tatum, a second-year player in Brown, Terry Rozier. You had players that stepped up and got minutes and got confidence. So what you have now is a bunch of guys who think in a lot of ways that they're better than what they are. And I, I think that's what you see sometimes with this Celtics roster. You got guys that feel like, hey, I was just in the Eastern Conference Finals last year contributing without you. I need to get some of these minutes or I got a lot to prove. And you're asked another thing. You got guys who haven't even made it off their rookie deal yet, haven't got the big payday yet. And then a lot, they still do have to prove a lot in this league. They're still trying to make a name for themselves. So you have all these different dynamics going on with the Celtics, not to mention stylistically, if you just look at their offense, they always struggle getting to the free throw line. They shoot a lot of jump shots. They struggle getting to the basket and getting easy, easy baskets. So when you're relying on things like that, your defense might not be as sharp as it was from night to night. You got all the dysfunction and things going on in the locker room about not liking each other, not talking to each other. You know, you got Kyrie saying things like, I didn't get into the game for the media and the celebrity. Sorry, bro. It comes along with it. In this country... We honor celebrities, entertainers, and athletes. You're a high-paid, high-profile athlete. So that comes along with it. So I hate to tell you guys this, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later and speak on it, but you're going to have to learn how to deal with it, whether you like it or not, whether the question is an intelligent, thought-provoking question or whether it's a dumb question. It just comes along with it. And when you have all this going on in Boston, which I was shocked, I'm not going to lie, when I looked at everything on paper, I had them coming out the East hands down, even though Toronto added uh, Kawhi Leonard. I still was going to pick the Celtics. Now we have to see what's going on because Milwaukee, Milwaukee looks serious. Toronto added Gasol at the trade deadline. They look like they're going to be right there. Philly is trying to make a push. They added Tobias Harris and some other imp important role pieces at the trade deadline. So Boston has a lot of work to do. And you don't want to be put in a situation where you're in a four or five matchup and you're playing somebody like Philly in the first round. You could be on your way out in the first round. And if that's the case, it's really going to be a, a dumpster fire and disaster. And then that means that Kyrie Irving is probably out the door. So now that means do you do you get Anthony Davis now? Do you package everything? 
Or do you hold on to everything and try to build through Tatum? See, it's just, it's amazing how fluid and how things can change on a dime like that in life. And it's no different in, in sports. On the other side of the break, we're going to get into our latest installment of Speak On It. So stay tuned for that. More to come from the Off The Glass podcast. Now, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Z. As I spoke on the other side of the break, I'm now about to do my edition of Speak On It. And I was trying to come up with different things. I was going to talk about one particular narrative I kept hearing in the press. But then I heard, I uh, was listening to a podcast yesterday, and now it's coming out across the news lines about Adam Silver's uh, speech that or talk that he gave at the Sloan Analytics Con- Conference that they have every year and how he was kind of concerned at the fact that so many of his players are un- seem to be unhappy and how this is a bigger issue plaguing society. And I just want to say salute to Adam Silver for discussing this. Mental health has really been at the forefront, rightfully so, in our society. It's an ongoing problem, an ongoing issue. My personal opinion is social media, this microwave age, this microwave uh, era is messing people up. Mentally, the way our body and our, our brain is designed, we're not meant to be overstimulated and taking all these things. And if you're somebody that's constantly glued to their phone, I'm just like everybody else. I'm not going to lie. I'm glued to my phone at times, but I don't allow it to consume me. I don't allow it to define me. But sometimes I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Somebody, I haven't done it in a while. Um, I've learned to kind of control myself in a lot of ways. But people will say some of the most obnoxious, egregious things just to get a rise out of you. Some of the most ignorant statements. We gave people voices that shouldn't have voices. And it's affecting people's mental health. You know, it reminds me of a scene in The Matrix. They say that you only use like 10 to 15, somewhere in there, like 15% of your brain. If I'm off, I'm off. But it's a reason for that, that your brain blocks out most of the things that surround you. If we were able to see everything that's going on around us, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, remember when Neo realizes that he's the one in The Matrix, how everything slowed down. He started to see all these things. Well, he had the capacity to be able to take that in, process that information, but most people don't. Most people really believe that people on social media, they're friends, they're arguing with people that if they saw in life, they wouldn't even know they were there or people they would even talk to. And they're getting wrapped up in all these, all this stuff, this nonsense. And then again, as I stated in the era of ever, ever driving media, the 24-7 news cycle, you're coming up with different stories. Like I saw today that they were talking on one particular sports outlet show that uh, Kevin Durant already has one foot out the door. Like, why is that making headlines? And is that true? We don't know. We're not in Golden State. And if people in Golden State feels that, they're not saying that like that publicly. And it's like the point I'm making is these players are getting caught up in things that are irrelevant to them being able to do their job, which is play basketball at a high level. And we're seeing this across the board in society. And now Adam Silver is trying to figure out, you know, just what can we do to kind of help players deal with some of this stuff? I mean, if you just look at how everybody travels now, it's no different in NBA. There's no interaction like that. In the NBA, you know, they, they probably still do, but not as like, like they used to from what I'm hearing 
from different podcasts and insiders, how they used to play cards all the time. You interact, you talk with people. Now, everybody's on their phone. Everybody has their headphones in. Everybody has their AirPods in. Things of, of that nature. So nobody's interacting with each other unless it's through electronics. And if you're interacting with somebody through a device, how real and how true is that interaction? Does that count as an interaction? I will say no. That's why certain things in my personal life, I'm not going to text you. I'm going to pick up the phone and call you because I'm still old school like that. And I really believe as I get older, I'm 37. I was born in 81. My generation was the last generation of a lot of things. We didn't grow up with the Internet. I didn't get the Internet in high school until my senior year, which was 1999. I didn't even have a computer in my dorm room until my junior year. And that's kind of when uh, MySpace my old people, Black Planet, et cetera, Facebook started showing up. I mean, we forget Facebook when it first came out, you had to have a college email address to even get on Facebook. It wasn't open to the public like that. So now we're at the time with Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all these different things. And now people are becoming overwhelmed, overstimulated, and now they're breaking down mentally. They don't know how to handle it. And I think that's what's going on. And the fact that Adam Silver is noticing that shows how, again, he's far ahead of the rest of the commissioners of our major sports here in this country, professional sports organizations. And the fact that he had enough insight to speak on that, I thought was huge. I think as a society, we got to figure out this mental health thing. We got to figure out to get people the help they need. And it's a suggestion to you, and I do this often, get off the phone, unwind, spend time with your family, go for a walk. Jot down some of your thoughts. Jot down some of the things you want to do. Like right in front of me, I'm looking at my podcast goals for this year. Though the type of equipment I want to print, uh, purchase, the type of interviews I want to do. I have a whole list. I'm seeing it. I'm visualizing every day. So my suggestion is let's get off social media. Let's protect our mental and let's start building our things and doing productive and positive things in our life. So with that being said, that's going to bring this episode of Off The Glass Podcast to a close. Remember to head over to the website, www.theofftheglasspodcast.com. You can click the link on the website, read the blog, sign up for our email and list. So when we do launch campaigns, you'll be aware of it. You'll know when I'm dropping new blogs. Follow me on social media, Zach at The Off The Glass Podcast, Instagram, Zach at, at The Off The Glass on Twitter. You can find me on there. Facebook is the page, it's the Off The Glass Podcast. Um, make sure to subscribe, make sure to download so you get the alerts, hit that subscribe. That way, when I put up a new episode, it'll automatically link you to your phone. Again, the host site is Spreaker, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And if you have the app, tune in, you can find me on TuneIn. I also upload to YouTube as well. So make sure to support, download, subscribe. Check out my latest podcast I just uploaded this morning with Rashad Phillips. Dope interview. Make sure to check that out. Till we uh, meet again, everybody be safe out there. It's your boy Z signing off. Peace. Real life, and what's a dream? I've been working nonstop to make these visits reality. Uh, Scorpio season, born 11, 19. They knew that I was different since I jumped up on the scene. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. 
We do it right too with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one, one and a half cubic foot bag of Miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5 1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8 ounce pots. Valid in store only. See store for details. US only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.